Where did you find such creatures? So soft. This one has all her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> to the Mad Max Minute. We can't wait for you to see Mad Max Fury Road one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 81, which begins with Furiosa vouching for Max and Nux, and it ends with the Vuvulini delivering some bad news. They may never make Fetch happen, but they're here nonetheless to help us wrap up the week. It's Liz Whitaker and Allison Grimm from the Mean Girls Minute. Bow, 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 bow. From these episodes of Mad Max Minute. <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> Liz, yes, you are intimately familiar with situations in which girls band together to form a little microcosm within a larger society. I know that the Wasteland is not anything like North Shore High School, and the Vuvulini are probably nothing like the Plastics, but if the Vuvulini were dropped into North Shore High, what are some of the things you think they would put in their burn book? Oh, Okay. Allison, you are free to join in on this because you were also on a lot of episodes mm. of the Girls Minute, so much so that I'm just lumping you in there with the. <laughs> Why are there so many men? <laughs> I was just going to say lots of bad stuff about men. <laughs> uh, the principal with the baseball bat seems okay. I like this teacher with the donuts. Everybody here has so many teeth. <laughs> well, yeah, all of them have all of their teeth. There's so many teeth here. They're so soft. <laughs> what are... I've been suspended eight times already for inappropriate touching. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this one have things on their teeth? <laughs> <laughs> the only worthwhile man is Kevin G. Oh, that's probably true, yeah. He seems like he would be very popular among the Vuvulini or the Tortellini mm. Vuvuzelas. <laughs> Vuvuzela. They all wear so many... So many colors. Just so many colors here. These are all, like, not harsh enough to be in the burn book. <laughs> These are all just, These like, just compliments. observations. <laughs> just, this is just <laughs> things that are. Everyone here is weak and soft. But I also feel like the Vuvuzelas don't have the luxury of being... Of burning. Yeah, like, they don't have the luxury of just throwing shade at other ladies they've got to stick together to like reach a common goal which is survival and so when you're out in the wastelands you know standing on derelict uh power line tower thingies you don't have time to be calling people fugly sluts do you think any of the mean girls could survive in this wasteland hells nah really maybe karen mm, karen might do okay they would adopt Karen and, like, take yeah. care of her. And maybe it's, like, Karen's home planet. Karen's the one with the boobs, right? Yes, yeah. the weather-predicting boobs. The weather-predicting Yeah, the ones boobs. that predict yeah. the weather, yeah. She could just hang out with Toast, and they can just be all about their boobs together. <laughs> hey, it was cold that day. Was it cold every day? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's fair. It was cold every day. But her nipples are distracting. To be fair, we don't know what Karen's home planet looked like. Right, it could be very similar to this. Yeah. She could be right at home here in the desert. Yeah. 
That's true. Of them, I think Karen has the best chance. Do you think that if, or when, I should say when, we hit apocalyptic stage in our world, mm. all of the mm. aliens will just suddenly go home? Like, we'll have, like, a, a flood of alien abductions, which is really just the aliens who've been living among us going home because they don't want to be here for this? Yeah, it'll be like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where, like, all the dolphins start leaving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what's happening to the bees, you guys. They're just oh going home. That's what's happening oh to the God. bees. Oh, my God. That makes so much sense. We did it. We cracked it. I don't know why right. I'm excited, because that means... Take it home, guys. Aliens <laughs> exist, and they're bees. Oh, no. Isn't we that got... the plot of Jupiter Ascending? Everyone find, find Nobody your Nobody saw that movie. <laughs> did you ever see Jupiter Ascending? No. <laughs> Nobody saw it. <laughs> Is that... Where have all the bees gone? Is that what that movie's about? No, that's where I think it's Mila Kunis who is like a secret alien queen and Sean Bean takes care of bees and the bees like swarm around Mila Kunis, but not like in a weird way. Not in a weird way? Not like in a sexy way. (laughs) I don't understand. And Sean Bean's like, they can recognize a queen or something like that. Okay, cool. Wait, if we extrapolate from that, does that mean that bees are like constant should constantly be swarming around Queen Elizabeth? Oh, how amazing would that be? Or Queen Latifah? Yeah. <laughs> or just Beyonce? <laughs> Bee is in her name. What if that means the 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 Queen Elizabeth II is not legitimate because she's not current or she's not constantly being swarmed by bees? Oh. Ooh, that's dangerous talk. All right, well it's been nice knowing you guys. I'm about to be taken out. MI6 is going to come knock at your door. Yeah. <laughs> I say. I'm about to be abducted by somebody from, uh, what is it, MI5? <laughs> MI6, I think. MI6. We just lost all our Canadians, like all of our Australians, <laughs> and all of our Brits. <laughs> just alienating everybody today. Everyone from Indiana, because Allison said, and Illinois. <laughs> all, all of your Midwesterners. Look, I come from Pennsylvania. It sucks. I can't say anything about anybody else's state. We need someone like Furiosa to vouch for us, to look at everybody and say, it's okay, they're reliable, they helped us get here. (laughs) I love that she calls them reliable, because that intimates that they don't like men because they're not reliable. Like, Mm -hmm. the Vuvulini's problem with men is that they're flaky. Fair. The Vuvulini built their society around men who hit it and quit it. All of those bog walkers that we talked about back when we were going through the creepy night place with the crows, we were talking about how the way that the Vuvulini got more Vuvulini is that they would go to these guys. The guys would hit it and quit it. And when they left the green place, the bog walkers stayed behind. I got the impression that it was the women who were hitting it and quitting it. Well, people were hitting and others were quitting. It makes a difference which way it is. I was just trying to wrap it into the myth. If if the Vuvulini are going there and then getting what they want and leaving, I believe they would be the ones hitting and quitting. Yeah. But they may have been driven to that type of relationship by past experiences with men, shockingly enough. (laughs) Same, girl, same. Reminds me of The Village. Okay. Where this group of people who have been victims in various ways just couldn't stand being part of society anymore so they had a rich member who set them up on their little commune out in the woods and they just did their own thing so based on their own experiences they set up a society that served their own very specific needs 
And that's what the Volvolini did. Not the worst idea. I feel like that movie gets a bad rap. I agree. I love that movie. It's good. Yeah, I like it. I love the concept. Mm -hmm. I love the way that Antoinette looks at Nux and Max and then glances back at Furiosa and Furiosa is like, yeah, they're reliable. It's okay. And then Antoinette just looks back at them like, are they though? They are men. Mm -hmm. Are you reliable, Furiosa? Probably. That's true. And she found her way back. I mean, she kept track of 7,000 days. Yeah, but how accurate is that really? Yeah, we are also trusting that she can count that high. She could just be making up a number. And she drove right past the green place. (laughs) Well, it's not like they had road signs set up. It's not green anymore, so... Yeah, it was blue. Oh, that's sad. (laughs) This minute is incredibly sad. The end of this minute. Mm -hmm. And then Monday's minute is, like, heartbreaking. I have no context for the rest of this movie. And I was watching this minute, and I was just like, Oh, thanks, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Really brought down my day. We'll have to bring you back on a more exciting girl power moment. All right. Which really could be any chunk of minutes clear through to the end of this movie. Liz, I think you would really like this movie. I agree. I think you you should watch the whole yeah. thing. You should do okay. like I did when I was on your show. I hadn't watched the movie at first, and then I came back <laughs> later, and I had her. watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was a totally different experience. <laughs> I'm going to go rent it from the library. Good idea. That's how I get a lot of movies, too. That's how Rick watched Mean Girls. Yeah. I walked up to the desk and I said, I would like to borrow Mean Girls, please. <laughs> and they were like, excuse me, sir. This is the 21st century. Why don't you go look it up? <laughs> <laughs> it's completely ignoring the fact that I work in the basement of the library. I walk oh. by these people all the time. Did you ask the librarian with the Valley Girl voice? No. Oh, come on. There's a librarian that works in Rick's library who, like, totally, she's an older woman, like, you know, maybe the age of the Vuvalini, and she talks like a Valley Girl. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Huh. Now, I don't know where she sits now, because it's been a while, but when I was going to school there, she sat under the stairs, you know, that, like, desk nook. Like Harry Potter? sat under the stairs. Yeah, like (laughs) Harry Potter. Yeah. (laughs) Her. Yeah, they moved that desk out of the nook. That's where they put all the DVDs now. Huh. My plan yeah. was to walk over to the DVD section, snag the case for Mean Girls, and then take it down to my office to watch it. You know, hide my shame, and all of the cases are empty, because otherwise people would literally steal all of the DVDs ever. Just like you were planning to do? I was planning to borrow and then return. I was not planning on stealing, thank you. Were you planning on checking it out? That's not the same as stealing. Does your library not have a detector thingy? Well, that's the thing. He I work in the, in ba- the I work in the library. Well, if he works there, he can probably get around it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I wouldn't have to bring it outside. Yeah. They wouldn't have to leave the building. That's the thing. The employee is coming from inside the building. Oh, all right. <laughs> that's my secret. Cap, I'm always in the building. You could just bring it back to your desk and watch it at work. Yeah. When I went on Mean Girls Minute the first time, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I just rented it on Amazon and watched it on my phone at work. Mm. It's the best way to consume any movie is on your phone. Yeah, I, I agree. Just like, it's just what David Lynch would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's how I watched Face Off for the first time in a decade, just like John Woo intended. I saw Face Off at a drive-in when it came out, which I think is the best way to see any and all movies, and I miss having access to a drive-in. Come to Indianapolis. I'll take you. Okay. We'll go on a date. Oh. 
We can make out in the back of your mom's car. That is literally possible because I'm driving my mom's car right now. (laughs) (laughs) We can literally do that. Yes. We had a drive-in in in the town where I grew up, and it it had three screens. So it was pretty great if you, like, wanted to see a movie that was on one screen and then, like, hop over to the next one. Because they tried to, like, start the second movies around the same time. That's how I saw a lot of R-rated movies as a child. All right. We cut back from Furiosa and the other Vuvulini to watch Toast, the other wives, Nux. They're all coming forward to meet everybody. Max, on the other hand, sits back down. You know, he, he doesn't need to be part of the meet and greet ice cream social situation. He's content to just wait in the car. Which is how I didn't realize he was there. <laughs> also, he should wait in the car. That's right. Oh, Oswin disagrees. <laughs> she, oh no, like Max. she heard me say the word where he oh, should no. wait. Oh. And now she wants oh. to go to there. I see. Because it's her favorite. I see. Oh, hi. So while you guys are watching Game of Thrones... I will be driving my dog around the city for a little bit. <laughs> get, in lo- get in, loser. Mm-hmm. You should teach Oswin to respond to that whenever you take her out. Like, that's what her <laughs> command should be. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. <laughs> get in, loser. We're going to get a frosty because my throat still hurts. <laughs> so while everyone is walking away from the war rig to get to know everybody, we might as well meet another one of the Vuvalini. This time we are meeting Melita Jurisic. She is Croatian-born. I do not know what year because none of the websites I checked had the good sense to put that on there. But at age five, her family emigrated from Croatia to Australia. She studied drama in Melbourne. And in 1981, she got her first television role on an episode of I Can Jump Puddles. (laughs) Jurisic has an extensive stage career that dwarfs her film career and... She's had other television roles. She was in the film Twelfth Night, which I mentioned back on Wednesday. She was on a 12-episode run of The Flying Doctors, and she played the titular role in the movie The Tale of Ruby Rose in 1987. Speaking of her films, her top four on IMDb include this movie, The Tale of Ruby Rose in 1987, the TV show Something in the Air in 2000, and also the show Blue Healers in 2001. The second movie in that four that I mentioned, The Tale of Ruby Rose, should sound familiar to our longtime listeners because it is one of the movies that Rod Zuanik was in. Rod Zuanik, of course, played Screwloose back in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And The Tale of Ruby Rose also features Sheila Florence as the grandmother character. She played May Swayze back in the original Mad Max in 1979. So The Tale of Ruby Rose almost bridges all four Mad Max movies, but it falls short because the movie only has 13 characters and none of those 13 were featured in Road Warrior. I'll bet you if we dig deep enough, we can find a crew member who worked on both movies. Okay. Side note, Rick, you were describing to me earlier the tale of Ruby Rose and it's awfully close to the movie Nell. Okay. It's same like premise. Huh. I'll take your word for it. Okay. You've never seen Nell? I don't think so. Have either of you ladies seen Nell? I've never seen Nell. Yes, I think I actually have seen Nell. But also, if you ever have Rob Lumley on, don't mention Nell. Why? (laughs) Well, now I want to. Well, now we have to Because then he'll start, like, doing a Nell bit. It's a thing. That sounds like Rob. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Nobody wants it. (laughs) Nobody wants it. Okay. Nobody wants it, but it will go on for hours. Yeah, that's just a warning. So it's a good thing you mentioned Nell now, so I can do this bit about Rob being yeah doing an annoying. Have we bit. dunked on Rob on like every single podcast we've appeared on together? It's our brand. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Rob. Thank you for bringing us together. Aside from acting, Melita Jurisic is also the lead singer for a band called and bear with me because I am definitely going to say this wrong. Metallicai. Okay, so it's M E T M A L I C Y E with a upward facing accent and then another E. So it could be Metallicai. Metallicai. I don't know. I think it would help if you said it with more confidence. Well, I can't say it with confidence because I don't know how to start with it to begin with. Fake it. Yeah, I got Metamucil out of your spelling. Metamucil? (laughs) Just call it Metamucil. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it might as well be that because it is some weird stuff. It's not quite heavy metal like the name would imply. Mm-hmm. It's not easy listening. It's Ooh. sort of trancey. Oh, I would call it trance metal. Yeah. You should send me the name because that sounds interesting. Just yeah. Google Metamucil. <laughs> I think Six. we'll definitely grab something off YouTube and put it up on the... The okay. listener page? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I love that kind of weird music. I know what we'll be listening to on our journey in the car. <laughs> like, oh, I said it again. I was trying to avoid Dang the it, keywords. Uh, <laughs> enough with the C words. All day, you've just been. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back into the minute, back on track, the wives and the Vuvulini come at each other from either side and they meet up in the middle. You've got Jillian who takes Cheeto's hands and she's commenting about, oh, where did you find such creatures? They're so soft. And we pan over to find that the Keeper of the Seeds, Melissa Jaffer, is opening the dag's mouth and shoving her fingers inside to inspect her. God, what do you think those fingers smell like? (laughs) Leather and gunpowder, probably. I'm sure those teeth don't smell great either. Yeah. They've probably all just lost their sense of smell, like out of self-preservation. Yeah. Their context is completely different now. I would do so bad in the past. I sometimes think about, like, my survival in a post-apocalyptic environment and, like, my eyesight's real bad and I'm just, like, a kind of a mess. You would be like that guy in the Twilight Zone... Your glasses would break and you'd be like, oh, there was time now. That's why I have multiple pairs of glasses. Well, yeah, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) If the apocalypse happens when I'm away from home, I've Mm. got one pair of contacts that's the same brand I've been wearing since 1995. So they're like, you know, not forever contacts. And I have super bad allergies. I basically run on prescription medication. Like, I'm just going to die in immediately following the apocalypse. That kind of sounds like when Julia talks about the apocalypse. Yeah, I don't want to live like this. It sounds like it would suck. Yeah. I don't want to survive the apocalypse. I want to go in the first wave. Yeah. Quick. Like, I used to date someone who was really into, like, prepping. And so, like, I had a bug out bag. And I'm like, this is great. Uh, Except for no, thank you. I... Can I just 
My pocket bag is just a cyanide pill. <laughs> God, that's perfect. That's what I want. <laughs> Your bug out bag is just a map to where they're going to be dropping the nuke. Yeah, yeah. can I? Can I, yeah, I just want to go quickly, please. Can you I want not? to go out like Sarah Connor in that nightmare she had? I want to not draw out this misery because I'm not cut out for this. This life of difficulty. I am a middle class white American, and I am just not prepared <laughs> to survive the aftermath of whatever this is. I, I say this while recording a podcast. <laughs> the aftermath of what we ourselves have done. Yeah. Yeah. Julia has said in the past that she does not want to ride on the back of my motorcycle with a crossbow shooting bandits as we go. <laughs> okay, but that sounds fun, though. That. Yeah. That I could be in. That sounds fun. I mean, if you want to go do that, like, now, I'm all <laughs> over that. <laughs> I'll ride on the back really of your motorcycle anytime. You know? Yeah, wait. But that sounds the, yeah. Doing it now sounds better than doing it post-apocalypse. Yeah, but the surrounding hardship, like the scenario that you just described, in that scenario, I would end up dead. Yeah, with a boomerang funny. in my face. I mean, I'm pretty crafty. I, you know, I feel like I can make things out of other things. You know, I'm innovative. I can bring people together. I'm a natural leader. I could have some useful skills in the post-apocalypse, but. You could be a Morton Liz. But I could also just be, like, dead and not care. Mm, which is really preferable. I've said it multiple times in the past. I would love to run a Thunderdome. Oh, jeez. I don't actually know what a Thunderdome is, but it doesn't sound like a thing that I'm, like, into. It's a fighting arena to the death. You want to run it like you want to be the owner of the Thunderdome? Yeah. You want to be the proprietor? Do people... Is this where, like, people fight other people? Yes. Yeah. For entertainment. There's Two an entire enter. Mad Max movie about it. Two One not, man leaves. Yeah, to settle disputes. Oh, no, not primarily. Into it. Secondarily, it's to entertain, but primarily to mm. settle disputes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have their, uh, strong issues against that. It's their <laughs> form of justice. I don't like that at all. I would not do well in the apocalypse, I think. You should see the outfit, though. The chainmail dress. You could sew mm. all that, Liz. Mm. I do like leather. Oh, apparently so does Toast, because as Antoinette is walking around Toast, she holds out her hand to like, I don't know what she's doing. She's like either picking at the jacket or trying to touch the bandolier and Antoinette swats at her hand and then they like giggle about it. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. Yeah, I thought it was the bandolier because Toast is all of a sudden all about ammo. She found a passion that she didn't know she had. For firearms and ammunition. So she's trying to count cool. the bullets because she was told earlier to count the bullets. Uh, I can only count things when I touch them. So maybe I'm Toast, not Cheeto. <laughs> hmm. Toast would be a better person to be, although I don't really like her very much. But Cheeto is completely useless. So Toast is at least useful. All right. Well, you know, I'm into ammunition. I can't count things without touching them. Toast it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're useful. Yeah. And she's got nipples for days. And you have nipple. You do have nipples for days. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> toast. <laughs> Settled. So it's toast in the dag. Toast in the dag. Toast in the dag. That's perfect. <laughs> Drive time radio. <laughs> anyway, everyone's feeling good. This is light. Everyone's getting together. And Furiosa's like, oh, we're having fun. I'm having fun. I can't wait to see the green place. Huh? But she doesn't say the green place. She says, I can't wait for them to see it. And... Melissa, the keeper of the seeds, she turns around. She's like, 
See? See what? And Furios is like, The movie It with the clown. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's what she was talking about. Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. (laughs) What's heartbreaking about this minute is from second 40 out to second 60, the last 20 seconds of this minute is just a slow crumbling as Furiosa suddenly realizes that not everything is as okay, that her plan isn't quite as flawless as she originally thought, and her demeanor drops like a stone. Mm-hmm. I think Smash Mouth said it best when they said the hits start coming and they don't stop coming. Because it is just one thing after another. Furios is like the green place, and Joy comes in, and she's like, but if you came from the West, you already been there. And it's the Dag who comes into frame and she's like, oh, the crows, the creepy place with all the crows. And then Furios is like, dang. I still wonder what that place looks like in the daytime. Yeah. Because everything looks creepy at night. The Vuvulini each in turn, they talk about how the soil, they had to get out, they had no water, and they keep going in Monday's Minute. They're just going to keep listing off the different reasons that they had to get out, that -hmm. they couldn't stay put. And the reason why they're out here in the desert next to this bait tower instead of living it up in the green place. Because you think if you have a green place, you would You're stay in the green place. be in the green place. Yeah. And it's interesting that Furiosa didn't think ahead of time, well, why is everybody hanging out here? Mm-hmm. Well, this could have just been like the sentry line if the green, if they're, they're like protecting this, the green place. If she didn't realize she hadn't passed yeah, it like yet. Yeah, just over that hill. Perhaps, yeah. Just out of view. Yeah. You climb to the top of that dune and you see an oasis at the bottom. In the yeah, valley. that was That's probably the guard what she tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that being the case. Like, there's a band of them that go out every day fishing for raiders. And then just a little bit further on, that's where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. It's very similar to, um, there's a Star Wars novel called Phasma about, you know, Captain Phasma's backstory. Mm-hmm. And it's very like Mad Maxi. It's set in a desert Ooh. planet. Well, the planet's oh, cool. been had an apocalypse and become desert-like. There's a there's a Thunderdome. The big woman. Yes, the big woman. And there's a big woman. Um, <laughs> there's a, like a Thunderdome scene. Well, if there's a murder pit, then we absolutely need to get this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh. I'm, as I'm thinking, yeah, it's very much like <laughs> this. Phasma basically just lived through Mad Max, the Mad Max franchise. That's why she is the way she is. That's very interesting. I, I want to read that, I think. Yeah. yeah I What's too. it called? It's good. good. It's just called Phasma. Okay. I did hear that one was really good. It's by Delilah S. Dawson. Why do I know that fact and I can't complete a sentence? I don't know. <laughs> we do not choose facts. Facts choose us. Oh, that's probably it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doomed. So like Julia said earlier, we are watching Furiosa's heart break and we don't get to see it completely fall apart. She doesn't get to that acceptance phase until Monday. So we're going to have to put Mad Max aside for the weekend. We'll come back with that heart-wrenching scene on Monday. In the meantime, Liz and Allison, is there anything you want to plug here at the end of the week? 
I will plug the as yet to be created way to do in minute again because you know I like to plug shows I haven't actually begun production on and hope that they actually they happen. I mean, it makes sense, especially because <laughs> doesn't Dune have a very rich tradition of female-led societal elements? No. Really? I thought there was like a whole like priestess type thing going on with like a group of ladies. Oh, the Bene Gesserit, I guess. Yeah. All right. They like control a bunch of stuff. Listen, my head is full of gunk right now. You know, even if your head is full of gunk, I've only ever seen the movie like once. So my understanding of Dune is very little. Yeah, the Bene Gesserit, their scope of power is limited and their power is not real. Yeah. <laughs> Look for more of that uh, cutting commentary. Analysis. Analysis. That deep analysis. Get get excited for that on Way to Dune Minute. Hopefully I won't be sick when I <laughs> for that entire thing. Yeah, maybe don't record <laughs> in like the late spring, early summer. Ever. Yeah, no. Ever. <laughs> uh, or just like, I'm just going to have to like fly to Denver and we're going to record the whole thing in like a week. <laughs> well, so I can be in a desert while I do it. Oh, hey, they also record uh, legalized mushrooms now, too. So you can you can watch Dune in the proper God, that frame sounds of like mind. a yeah. terrible idea for me. Oh, see, I think that sounds amazing. <laughs> I am a delicate delicate I want to go hang out with you and George in the desert on mushrooms. <laughs> that sounds ideal. Honestly, you can come do mushrooms and we'll record our podcast and okay. it'll be great. I feel like George and I would have so much fun just effing with you. God, that sounds like what would happen. <laughs> yeah. We would take just, it back. You're yeah. not invited. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps us up for the week. Liz and Allison, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a delight having you. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank nice you for putting up with me. So, <laughs> and me. Liz, if you ever end up watching the rest of this movie, we'll have to <laughs> have you back. Oh, I want to let you guys know as well, there is a restaurant chain in Pennsylvania called Mad Max. Don't know if you guys ever heard of it. It's not amazing Mexican food, but when you're in college, they have $5 mar margaritas. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think so, yeah. we almost went there one time. We did. We were I mean, in Philadelphia not, not for Pax mm -hmm. Unplugged and... We knew of its existence, but we were there with a group of people who just weren't really on board. Mm. So it didn't happen. Oh, Maybe types. if the movies by minutes get together ever comes to Philadelphia, we'll get a group together. That would be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not like great food and it's not like Mad, <laughs> Mad Max themed. Just, <laughs> I know of it because I went to Penn State and that's where I got all my tequila shots. Nice. <laughs> like you do. That sounds like a good like time to you too. do. Yeah. As for us, we will be coming back on Monday as the full weight of what the Vuvalini have said is crushing Furiosa, and there's nothing she can do about it but scream. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Bautista of DanielBautista.com. 
Our home on the internet is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us from Minute 81 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.